Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. The American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations present Mr. President. Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our country, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Now, Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It's evening and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy day. Only one window on the ground floor shows a light. We enter and find ourselves in the president's study. Good evening. Sit down, won't you? You know, it's a funny thing. We always like a man who wants to get ahead, carpenter, inventor, or a businessman. But when he wants to become president, it seems to be different, as you'll see in tonight's story. Now, which president was I when these events took place? I'll tell you later on, of course. But meanwhile, I think you may be able to guess. Late one afternoon, at the end of a busy White House day, I was in the study with my secretary, Miss Sarah. I tell you, Miss Sarah, anyone who wants to be president of the United States is crazy. You wanted to be president, Mr. Well, president. I didn't know then what I know now. Look at me. All I do all day is bend over this desk and sign papers. I've signed my name so many times I can't spell it anymore. Good heavens, I'd better look these papers over. If you had spelled your name wrong, it might not be legal. Well, these are all job appointments, Miss Sarah. Nobody will find anything the matter with them as long as the jobs are good. <laughs> Mr. President, this is all necessary work. Changing half the people in the government, pushing men out, putting new ones in. Oh, I must have been crazy to want this job. <laughs> well, maybe you'll feel better if I tell you the Thompsons are here. Secretary Thompson and... Mrs. Thompson? Well, why didn't you tell me before? They're in the small reception room. That's another thing the matter with being president. Things go on behind my back. Nobody tells me anything until I pull it out of them. Um, yes, Mr. President. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. <Miss> Sarah. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. Oh, good. Let's go. You know, this uh, Peggy Thompson's uh, first visit to the White House, Miss Sarah... I suppose Secretary Thompson is very happy. Mm, naturally. <laughs> Marriage is just as exciting for a middle-aged man as for a youngster. Maybe more so. Especially if the lady is as beautiful as Peggy Thompson. Mr. President, I, uh, I suppose the gossip about them will drop off now. Well, what if it doesn't? Gossip hurts only the gossipers. This is Washington, Mr. President. Yes, but people are people and gossipers aren't. That's true even in Washington. Well, here we are. Well, Peggy, I'm very glad to see you. Mr. President, I'm very glad to see you. 
You know, we both have new jobs since the last time we met. Yes, but yours is much easier, even if you did marry George Thompson. Oh. How are you, George? Never better, sir. Thank Mr. you. President, you're expecting the vice president, aren't you? I'll wait in my office for you. Well, show him in here when he comes, will you, Miss Sarah? And then join us yourself. Thank you, I will. Uh, now, sit down, both of you. Uh, tell me, you need any advice? Well, we've been getting a great deal of it, Mr. President, like all newly married couples. George, maybe the president can give us some good advice. <laughs> you know, Peggy, George and I used to share living quarters together. He could never keep track of his shirts, and he was always borrowing mine. I cured him by borrowing his shirts. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the worst trouble George and I ever have, I'll be a very happy woman. That is the worst trouble you'll ever have, Peggy. <laughs> now then, I've given you all the advice you need. Excuse me, Mr. President. Yes, Ralph. I've got tea here for Mrs. Thompson and you and Secretary Thompson. Tea, Peggy? Thank you. George? Well, haven't you got any... <clears throat> uh, mm, never mind, Ralph. Tea. Good. Uh, tea for me, too, Ralph. Mm. And Ralph, sir, uh, these cups. Haven't you got any bigger ones? Yes, sir. But these are the lady cups. Oh, they're not cups. They're thimbles. Well, being as it's tea, sir, I thought maybe thimbles are big enough. <laughs> Ralph, you're a man after my own heart. <laughs> All right, Ralph. Uh, Peggy, you'll have to pour. Certainly. Uh, Peggy, uh, the White House will have to do better for you than George and just tea and thimbles. I think a dinner party, a small one, huh? as soon as we can arrange it. Oh, I'd love that. Mr. President. Yes, Miss Sir. The Vice President, Mr. Wood. Oh, thank you. Come in, John. Come in. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Hello, Thompson. Hello, Wood. Uh, John, you know Mrs. Thompson. Good to see you, Mrs. Thompson. Mr. Wood. Have a thimble full of tea, John? I'd like to, sir, but uh, may I speak to you a moment privately? Yes, of course, of course. Over here by the window. The rest of you go right ahead. Of course, Mr. President. Well, what is it, John? I hope you'll take this the way I mean it, Mr. President. Well, go ahead and we'll see. It's about all the government appointments you're making. Now, don't tell me you've got a lot more recommendations to make. I've got four of your people in the cabinet now. Most of the recommendations are coming from Secretary of State Martin Hunter, aren't they? Yes. Do you realize why? Well, to build up our party organization and to carry out our policies. Your policies, Mr. President? Or his? Ours. Mine. Yours. His and the cabinet's. I've been watching Hunter, Mr. President. I think you ought to be warned. Against him? Oh, come on, John. You can be frank with me. We're old friends. I think it's dangerous for you to have a man in your cabinet who wants the next nomination for president. John, even if that's true, you have nothing to worry about. You know I want only one term and that I'm going to urge you on the party as the next candidate. I'm not thinking of the next term. I'm thinking of this term. Martin Hunter can make you a lot of trouble. Please watch him carefully, sir. Thank you, John. I will. <laughs> Mr. President, I've got to warn you about John Wood. Sit down, Martin. Thank you. You want to warn me about John Wood? In what way? I... I see I've touched a sore point, Mr. President. You know, I'm, I'm just a little puzzled. What about John Wood? Several years ago, you remember the legislature of South Carolina adopted a certain resolution? No, oh, the one about federal laws, you mean? Yes. It said that South Carolina reserved the right to ignore any laws made by Congress that it didn't like. Oh, that's ridiculous. No single state can defy the laws of all the states. South Carolina thinks it can. That's vicious nonsense. 
You know who wrote that resolution? Everybody knows the legislature of South Carolina. Your vice president, John Wood. What? I was surprised too, Mr. President, but it's absolutely true. Well, can you prove it? In a court of law, if I have to. You see what it means, don't you, sir? Wood's ideas are really the exact opposite of your own, but he's concealed that fact. Oh, there must be some other explanation. Why would he do that? Well, I think it's plain, sir. He wants to be the next president. Well, that's what he says about you. <laughs> I see nothing wrong in a man's wanting the highest honor he can possibly get. I do see something wrong in how he goes after it. Are you serious, Martin? You mean Wood hopes to make himself president by means of that South Carolina resolution? Well, how, for heaven's sake? Well, sir, I have a theory. Let's hear it. Congress has just passed a new tariff bill. A number of southern states, South Carolina chiefly, are going to object to it. Their reason, that the new duties on foreign goods will be good for eastern manufacturers and bad for South Carolina. They say it'll raise prices. Oh, and you think John would, uh, will encourage his state to defy the new law? Sir, he's already busy at it. The idea seems to be that South Carolina might refuse to allow you to collect the new duties. Well, I don't know. But to keep his, his real attitude secret for so long, I can't understand that. Obviously, sir, he's been waiting for the right issue. And the new tariff bill seems to be it. I don't know. I can't believe Wood is that kind of a man. You can't believe me. Is that it, sir? I'll tell you that, Martin, after I've talked to him. In fact, I'm expecting him here in a few minutes anyway. And thanks for your warning, Martin. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Good afternoon, Miss Sarah. Mr. Hunter. You leaving now, Mr. Hunter? Yes, Ralph. It's a mighty fine day outdoors, sir. Well, it's not a bad day indoors, Ralph. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Afternoon. Oh, uh, Mr. Wood. Hello, Hunter. On your way to see the president? Yes. Could you spare me a moment or so? Right here. If you like. Beautiful day. Yes, it is. Well, that's uh, one thing we agree on, at any rate. Meaning there's not much else, hmm? I thought this was a good chance for us to understand each other. Oh, I think I understand you, Hunter. Oh? You're a very ambitious man. Is that a compliment or an accusation? You'd like to be in the White House. Well, I'm not an impatient man, Wood. I may have to wait eight years. You're a comparatively young man, Hunter. But I don't want to wait more than eight years. Oh, you're sure the president will have two terms? I know that he only wants one. And that you were made vice president with the understanding that you'd be president after that. <laughs> I see. And you expect me to last only one term? If you get it. Oh, you want the next nomination. I don't want you to have it. Thanks for the warning. You know, the president thinks that you agree with him, say, about the new tariff bill. Put it the other way. I think he agrees with me. And my guess is that you're wrong, Wood. And that mistake is going to cost you the next presidential nomination. In other words, you'll see to that. Is that what you mean? If you make the mistake that I think you're making, and frankly, I hope you do. Hunter, I take it we're open enemies. If you turn against the president, you and your four friends in the cabinet. Hunter... You said you don't want to wait eight years to enter the White House. If there's anything I can do about it, you'll wait the rest of your life. And it's very interesting, isn't it? We met just now as you're leaving the White House, and I'm going in. Hello, Mr. Hunter. Hello, Mr. President. 
true, John. Did you really write that South Carolina resolution? I object to this kind of questioning, Mr. President. I do, too. But now that I've been told about it, I've got to know. I make it a practice to ignore rumors, sir. John, you and I were put on our ticket together for definite reasons. Our ideas were a lot alike. And I had another reason. I felt I could have absolute faith in you. If I was wrong about that, it changes everything now, doesn't it? I don't know of anything I want to see changed, Mr. President. And I can't be responsible for gossip. Is it gossip that you were the real author of that resolution? The legislature wrote it. I'm told that you did. Well, yes, I did. Why didn't you tell me this before? For an obvious reason, Mr. President. It had to appear as the work of the legislature, not of one man. But look here, we've had dozens of political discussions. You let me think you agreed with me when you really thought exactly the opposite. I don't believe any state has the right to defy a federal law, and you do. Our ideas could be reconciled, Mr. President. That's impossible. Why weren't you open and above board about this? I don't see anything wrong, and I have contrary opinion. Oh, don't you, on a basic question Mr. like this? Mr. President, you remember I did warn you about the tariff bill. It's going to touch off trouble in my state. The authorities may refuse to allow the federal government to collect the duties because they'll raise prices. And I warn you again, now there'll be trouble. I thought that was a sincere warning. I see now you want that trouble. That's the issue you've been waiting for. Well, you're vice president, and we've got to manage together somehow for the rest of the term. But you'd better know it right now. I'm not going to recommend you as the candidate to succeed me. If you want to be the next president, you won't do it with my help. It was Hunter who started this misunderstanding, wasn't it? Yes, he gave me the information. I've told you he has his own eye on the White House. And you have yours. I don't object to that in itself. I'm sorry this has happened, Mr. President. I'm sure you are. Now you can't be what you hope to be. The real president with me is your spokesman. But I'm not your president. You're my vice president. Think that over and decide if you want peace or open war between us. Which pair of shoes do you want, Mr. President? Oh, the black ones, Ralph. With the black suit, sir? That's right. How about something more cheerful, sir? Well, I'm not feeling cheerful, Ralph. Well, this gray suit would make you feel much better. Besides, Miss Sarah always say that you look better in gray than in black. That brings up a question, Ralph. Do we dress to please other people or ourselves? That depends, sir. Hmm? On vanity, sir. Oh. Vanity's a terrible thing. And if you insist on that black suit only to please yourself, that's vanity, sir. Ralph, I'll wear the gray suit. <laughs> yes, sir. Excuse me, sir. Sure. Ralph, may I see the president? Mr. President, Secretary Thompson is here. Oh, oh, show him in. Come in, come in. Captain, come in. Come in, please, Mr. Thompson. Oh, hello, George. I'll finish dressing later, Ralph. Yes, sir. Miss Sarah said I could come up, Mr. President. I only dropped in to be sociable. Well, I'm not feeling very sociable at the moment. But since you're here, you'd better know. Something about Jim Wood? He went past me downstairs just now without saying a word. Well, he and I have virtually split. Mm, so quickly. It may affect the cabinet very seriously. There are four men who will probably side with him on the tariff, for instance. Oh, couldn't you ask him to resign before trouble starts? I haven't a real excuse. Wood may change his attitude. But, sir, if he doesn't... Well, you'll see. Tell me, how's Peggy? Oh, fine, fine. She sends you her regards, of course. And by the way, we haven't had that little dinner party for you yet. Oh, don't worry about it, sir. We've been oh, 
pretty busy with social events anyway. Oh, really? And how's Peggy enjoying it? Oh, fine, fine, I, I think. You think? Well, you know the gossip there was about her while her first husband was drinking himself to death in Europe, and I was falling in love with her here in Washington. Well, you and Peggy just ignore it, that's all. Where are you going tonight? To the Navy Ball. I didn't want to go, but Peggy's anxious. Well, she's right. The only way to fight gossip is to meet it head on. Have a good time, George. It was outrageous, Mr. President, and I've heard exactly the same description from half a dozen people who were at the Navy Ball last night. Now, Miss Sarah, maybe it wasn't as bad as all that. Mrs. Wood snubbed her first. John Wood's wife? You know how she is, Mr. President. She's a fine woman, Miss Sarah. Well, certainly, but she's also the self-appointed social ruler of Washington. Mr. Thompson walked up to Mr. and Mrs. Wood at the ball. Mr. Thompson was beside him, of course. And when she came near, Mrs. Wood very elaborately turned away. It was a deliberate insult. Oh, I feel very sorry for Peggy. After that, most of the other women snubbed her, too. The Thompsons went home early. Mm Mm-hmm. John Wood's wife started it, huh? Obviously because of that gossip. Maybe. I mean, maybe there's more to it than that. More to it? Maybe that snub was really meant for me. Oh, through Peggy Thompson and her husband. And Miss Sarah, I'm going to give a dinner party for the cabinet, let's say, next week. Is this the dinner for the Thompsons we were talking about? Well, in a way, except I want the whole cabinet invited and Mr. and Mrs. John Wood. Get the invitations out as soon as you can, Miss Sarah. I beg pardon, Mr. President. Hmm? Yes, sir. When will you be wanting us to serve dinner, sir? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll wait a little longer, Ralph. Yes, sir. Mr. President. Yes, Peggy. I... I don't think anyone else is coming. You're sure there were no messages, Miss Allen? Only those that I gave you, Mr. President. The last one from Mr. Wood, saying that Mrs. Wood had a sudden headache. I didn't think John Wood would dare to stay away. Did you, Martin? Well, it seems to me he's the only one who dares stay away. He's the vice president. He can't be punished. The cabinet members can't. Well, I won't punish men politically for the social mistakes their wives forced them to make. You understand that, of course, don't you, Peggy? Mr. President, this is all my fault. If I'd known when you invited us that you were doing this on my account... Oh, not altogether. Mr. President, it seems to me that I'm the one to blame. That's nonsense, George. Peggy's my wife, so there's no reason for you to fight our social battles for us. Oh, it's a lot more than a social battle, George, if I understand the President. Uh, You're right, Martin. And I think I'm right. But look here, we needn't be sad about it. There's a good dinner waiting for us. Let's enjoy it, shall we? By all means. Let's go. Peggy, my arm. Thank you, Mr. President. Now, by the way, Martin, I wish you'd drop in the first thing in the morning. I want you here when John Wood comes to see me. Sit down, Martin. Now, John, I want you to understand this. Peggy Thompson is a fine woman, and I'd do my best for her under any conditions. I'd do it for your wife under the same conditions. I'm sure my wife would be obliged, Mr. President. But I had still another reason for giving the dinner last night. 
I wanted you to know I understand exactly what you started the other night at the Navy Ball. I started? When your wife insulted Mrs. Thompson. My wife makes her own social decisions, sir. I'd like to believe that. But I think I know better. Peggy Thompson is a fine woman. But you went out of your way to hurt and insult her, only to make trouble for me, to break up the cabinet and hamstring the administration. The cabinet is one thing, Mr. President. Social standards are another. Oh, not in Washington, Wood. I'll be frank, John. The dinner failed, but it showed me how far you're willing to go and what kind of weapons you're willing to use. The matter would be solved if George Thompson resigned from the cabinet. Do you think I'd let him leave the cabinet for a reason like that? If he can't get along with the other cabinet members? He gets along with Martin Hunter, all right. I'm sure Wood means his four friends in the cabinet. You could hardly ask them to resign because of a social quarrel, Mr. President. Well, why don't you suggest that Hunter resign, too? I suggest nothing, Mr. President. John, I warn you. I'm willing to respect your political convictions. But you're going at it the wrong way. I've got to go the way my conference tells me. I made a mistake in thinking we could ever agree. I stand for the people in the tariff bill. You're selling the people out. By no means, Wood. You're only twisting the issue to suit yourself. I can't twist my convictions, Hunter. Mr. President, I'm going to fight that fight as long as I live. All right. But I suggest you use more honest weapons. Good day, Mr. President. Well, Martin, he's a hard fighter, Mr. President. Well, you can be frank. So far, he's beating me, isn't he? He can hold a majority of the cabinet right in his hand. Well, you know, sir, he's right about Thompson resigning. Oh, that would be very unfair. After all, Thompson is the source of the trouble. Well, how can I ask him to resign now? I'd be conceding defeat to Wood. The same thing prevents me from asking Wood's four men in the cabinet to resign. The only excuse I have is this... this teacup murder. Well, I have a suggestion, sir. Well, I'd be happy to hear it. Suppose I resign. You? Hmm. Why, you're not implicated in this mess. Why sacrifice yourself? Well, just the same, sir. You see what it would do? Thompson could resign at the same time without admitting that it's because of his wife. Well, you'd be risking your future. I leave that to you, Mr. President. And Thompson's. Now, wait a minute. Martin, uh, you may have a very, very good idea there. I'm sure of it, sir. I mean, uh, better than you think. Uh, Miss Sorrow. Yes, Mr. President. Uh, come in, Miss Sorrow. I want you to send a letter... The same letter to all cabinet members except Mr. Hunter and Mr. Thompson. Yes, I'm ready, Mr. President. Uh, dear, uh, and then fill in each name. Of course. As you know, I have accepted the resignations of Secretary of State Hunter and Secretary of War Thompson. This compels I me... I beg your pardon, Mr. President. Have they resigned? You resigned, Mr. Hunter? We will have by the time this letter is sent. What was I saying, Miss Sarum? Uh, and, uh, uh, Secretary of War Thompson, this compels me... Oh, yes, yes, yes. This compels me to reorganize my entire cabinet along different lines. And therefore... I see what you're doing, Mr. President. <laughs> It'll work, won't it? I'm sure it will. Along somewhat different lines, and therefore... Yes, yes, and therefore, since you will not be in sympathy with our future policies, I would appreciate receiving your resignation. <laughs> I think John Wood's going to be surprised to find himself so alone in the administration. <laughs> John, I want you to see this list before I make it public. Your new cabinet, I presume. Look at it carefully. I have. I made a bad mistake in my first cabinet. 
thinking that you and I had the same ideas, and I accepted four of your men. Now they are gone. You and the people who think like you have no allies in my administration anymore, except you. I have allies in my own state, in Virginia and elsewhere. John, for the last time, don't you realize where your ideas will take you? It's where they'll take the country that I'm interested in. Here you are, the vice president of the whole country. And you're leading your state into defiance of the federal government. Don't you see where that can lead? We're right. The country will go our way. Very well. I can't make you see it. But I am ready for you now, John. For an open fight, the whole country can understand. No more hiding behind petticoats. No more secret political maneuvers. Out in the open. As you say. You know, John, we might have done some great things together. But you've turned the wrong way. And you're going to lose. You're not going to be the next president. And you're not... You're not going any further in this fight because you're going to lose it. Now, you go ahead, John. I'm ready for you. <laughs> well, George, you'll make a fine ambassador to Spain, and Peggy will make a fine ambassador's wife. Mr. President, we're very grateful to you. Oh, she's right, Mr. President. Oh, never mind that. It's all worked out very well, hasn't it? Yes, there's only one trouble, Mr. President. What's that, Martin? I'm going to England as ambassador alone. <laughs> oh, I'm not worried about you, Martin. You'll get along beautifully in London. Good night, Mr. President. Goodbye, sir. Thank you again. Goodbye, Miss Sarah. Goodbye, Mrs. Thompson. And have a pleasant voyage and write to me often, all of you, won't Goodbye, you? Goodbye, Mr. President. Goodbye. And you won't leave me in England too long, will you? <laughs> you know, I've been thinking, Martin, of course there's time yet, but suppose I ran for a second term. Wouldn't you like to be vice president? You uh, sure you could beat John Wood? Well, if I don't, maybe I'll join you in England. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about that. Goodbye, Mr. President. Goodbye. Goodbye, Sarah. Goodbye, Mr. Hunter. <laughs> Well, Mr. President. Yes, Miss Sarah. And I hear you say something to Mr. Hunter about your running for a second term. Why, hmm? well, yes, yes. I, I only mentioned it, of course. It's, but you said that any man who wants to be president is uh, crazy. I said that, Miss Sarah? Oh, never. Oh, you did? Yeah, but why, I love this job. Now, I wonder how I ever got the other impression. I haven't the faintest idea, Miss Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> No, neither have I. Good night, Mr. President. <laughs> Good night, Miss Sarah. Good night. <laughs> Well, maybe you've guessed by now that the president of tonight's story was Andrew Jackson in the year 1832. His vice president was the brilliant John C. Calhoun, who soon led South Carolina into the famous nullification fight and almost open rebellion 30 years before the Civil War, and who never did achieve his ambition to become president. And the man called Martin Hunter this evening was Martin Van Buren, who did reach the White House in 1837. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about the White House and Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Good night.
Mr. Arnold appears by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Song of Love, starring Catherine Hepburn, Paul Henry, and Robert Walker. Mr. President is presented each week by the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations. It is produced by Robert G. Jennings. Directed tonight by Charles Powers. John Wood was played by Ted Osborne. Tonight's story by Paul R. Milton was suggested by incidents in the administration of President Andrew Jackson. Music was composed by Al Datz and conducted by Nathan Crowe. This is Don Lowe inviting you to listen again next week when Edward Arnold brings you another story of Mr. President. Now here's a special program note. What can we do to improve religious and racial relationships in America? Be sure to hear this question discussed on America's town meeting next Tuesday night. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.